the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology Out of the Ivory Tower and Back into the Hands of the Invisible Church Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint. Thanks for listening. Today we're going to be talking about a video that was posted recently by my friend Connor Haynes. Most of you listening know him. He uh, posted a video by uh, a guy named Andrew March uh, where he addresses the issue of martyrdom and pacifism and where do we, where do we draw the line. Uh, we're going to take a listen to the video and I want to talk about it uh, a little bit here. Um, a little bit about Andrew March. I don't know him personally. I just know the video that he posted. It looks like he's involved in a couple of ministries in his personal life. But let's take a look at the video, see what he has to say about uh, pacifism uh, and martyrdom and uh, self-defense. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, because they did not love their lives unto death. You know what's interesting to me? Is we read passages like that in the scripture, that's in Revelation, um, which is in reference to the beast, which most evangelical Christians believe is a future event. Um... We, we, we repeat phrases like the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Shoot, we have voice of the martyrs conferences. <laughs> voice of the martyrs conferences. Where I've, I've been to a couple of them. Beautiful conferences. Where you sit and listen to um, Christians from all over the world recount the persecution that they, they have to endure. And they will talk about being jailed in prison, tortured. They will talk about seeing family members get killed in front of them. They will be. They will talk about um, being uh, attacked and assaulted by family members who tried to kill them. And you know what's interesting to me is <laughs> I go to these conferences in America, and uh, everybody's crying. Everybody's saying praise God. Then everybody says, you know, I just I don't know if I could do that. We exalt these people, these martyrs, you know, in the church, Perpetua, one of my favorites, just amazing woman of God. Um, Justin, as a matter of fact, we call the man Justin Martyr. And we're famous for saying that 11 of the 12 apostles um, died horrible, terrible martyrs' deaths. But what's interesting to me about American Christianity. And I think this is part of, uh, look, I am, you probably have seen a theme, right? As far as how, uh, I think my job is to be a contrary voice and just say, I'm crazy probably, but just give me a hearing, right? So I did a debate about three months ago about, um, let me just stop it right here and say something really quick about uh, martyrdom. The, the Bible never says that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. 
uh, it never makes that claim. We here at the Reformation, uh, Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society, uh, my dad gave a presentation upon, about this a couple uh, a couple months ago, and it's uh, available on YouTube. But the blood of the martyrs is is not the, the seed of the church. Um, Jesus did not say to Peter that I'm going to build my church on the deaths of my children and the gates of uh, hell will not stand against it. That's not the... Uh, it's not what he said. We don't build the church on the death of Christians. That's, I mean, that is, it, it has contributed, yes, but that's not the main way that we, uh, you know, further the kingdom of the Lord by laying down our lives physically. Um, Christ wants us to give us ourselves as living sacrifices, not actual sacrifices. That is not the desired result of Christ towards his children. And in fact, if you if you look at history, many times there have been many martyrs. Uh, the Byzantine Empire. I mean, many, many people have been many civilizations have been successfully uh, persecuted out of business. Uh, they have, you know, whole civilizations have been wiped out, and these were filled with Christians. I would argue that many of them were probably lukewarm, but that doesn't mean there weren't legitimate Christians in there. And the church has not come back in hundreds of years in some places. So the, the, this idea that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church is, is not true. It, it, it is a seed, I, I will argue that. It does have potency. I mean, obviously the blood cries out to the Lord for justice. But it's not a guarantee that once we have martyrs, then we're, then we're going to see uh, uh, spreading of, uh, of the church. It's, it's not a guarantee. The Bible never makes that claim. Pacifism, which was really um, not named properly because I'm— Passivism kind of gives you the implication that you do nothing in the face of a violent aggressor. That's not the case. I just don't believe that we should, as Christians, be the ones using lethal force. I don't believe that Christians should be the death dealers. I believe that in an interaction... Uh, and, and let me say, too, that I had a discussion with this guy a couple of days ago, a uh, uh, very congenial discussion. And um, I, I saw one of his quotes. He was actually uh, positing, and this is, he's not alone in this. Uh, actually, John Piper um, posits the same thing, that um, when it comes to actually using lethal force, these they both prefer that the pagans would do it and not the Christians. They'll say, oh, the cops can have guns. And, and my man here says that it's okay for the pagans to have guns, but it's not okay for the Christians to have guns. Now, you know that's and to me that's pretty insane. I I, I well it's okay for let's let's let the pagans do the bad the dirty work and uh, we'll we'll just continue on living our pietistic life at the heart at the heart of this at at the, of this video I believe is pietism and and again we here at the Reforma Mid Atlantic Reformation Society believe that the definition of pietism is trying to love God without loving your neighbor. Uh, th this is a theme in this video that uh, when you talk about uh, the the desire for martyrdom or the desire to, for pacifism. He says not pacifist, but for all intents and purposes, practically speaking, we, we are addressing pacifism here. Um, pietism here results in, in pacifism uh, nine times out of 10, because when you are talking about pacifism, you're talking about not loving your neighbor. That's, that, that, that's, what, that's the result of pacifism. Well, I'm not, I'm going to try and, and love the Lord without loving my neighbor. Because as soon as you sit there and lay down and and you'll let let the let your attacker or your persecutor do whatever he wants to you, uh, he's going to do turn and do the same thing to your neighbor. And 
uh, in my opinion, I think you're pretty much responsible at that point for not loving your neighbor. As soon as you lay down and say, just, you know, kill me or, you know, uh, beat me up, you know, as soon as he's done with you, he's going to go on to the next guy. And, and, and that's, that's not loving your neighbor. That's not how you love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll expound on that thought a little bit later. Let's let the man talk. Action. Where someone has to die, I believe that Christians are called to be the ones that die, not the ones that are killing people. Uh, again, with his with his idea that it should be pagans who have guns and not the Christians. And so, you know, I, I bring this up, I bring up martyrdom, and you know, you know what the argument I usually hear is, which is the argument that uh, my my worthy, my very worthy opponent used. He said, "Well, if it's martyrdom, then it's commendable not to." Not to defend yourself lethally, but to die. Uh, and again, that, that is a concept that I disagree with completely. I, I completely disagree with that. Uh, I, I think that if you're out and about in, let's say, China, and someone says, you're a Christian, so I'm going to kill you, I don't think it's biblical to be like, okay, kill me. You know, here I am. Just kill me. End my life now. You know, I'm not supposed to defend myself. You know, where does the Bible say that mandate? Where do we have the command as soon as someone tries to go for your life, be cut for the sole reason that you are a believer? Where does it say that anywhere? I'm talking about Old and New Testament. Where does it say that you should just lay down your life and don't defend yourself? Let the man kill you. It doesn't say that anywhere. Most people go to Matthew 5, right? 39, where Jesus talks about turn the other cheek. That's not talking about someone going after your life. And we'll soon see here later uh, in, in Acts chapter 7. I'll expound on that thought a little bit later. Um, but if it's a person just like randomly walking into your house to rob you or kill or steal or rape or pillage or something like that, then you can go and, 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 uh, and light them up <clears throat> because that's the best way to love your neighbor. Now, if you think that that logic is crazy, um, think again because that I, seems to be the majority report among uh, Christians. That logic is crazy because it's inconsistent uh, when it comes to the martyrdom. It, 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 you can still you can still defend yourself when someone's trying to kill you for being a Christian. The Bible never says just just let them kill you. You know, lay down your life and just you know kill me now because you know I'm a Christian. You're attacking me and I know why. It's because I'm a Christian. So here's my life. Take it. The Bible never says that. You should be consistent in both applications. You should defend yourself. In both instances. So if you're getting martyred, it's 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 good and commendable not to kill the person that's martyring you. But if the person is like... And again, I have to say this one more time. The Bible never makes that claim. That it's good and commendable. Uh, and, and I don't think he's making the claim. I, I'm not. Maybe he might be making the claim. Andrew might be making the claim there. But uh, he's talking about what he believes is a dichotomy between uh, Christians out there that say it's okay to defend yourself when someone's in your house, but it's not okay to defend yourself when um, when someone's attacking you for being a Christian. I say it's okay to defend yourself, and I believe the Bible says too. More importantly than what I say, I believe very strongly the Bible says it's okay to defend yourself in both instances. Like, you know, an armed robber. That guy, you light him up. Now, I asked for this distinction in uh, in the New Testament, and my opponent says, well, no, there's no distinction like that in, in the New Testament. Another guy said, well, it's just common sense. I, I think that there is a very, I think common sense and human wisdom or worldly wisdom are actually next door neighbors. They cut each other's lawns. Be careful. Okay. 
So this is a dichotomy. If you're getting martyred, then, uh, you know, bite the bullet, die, and then you go out in a blaze of glory. But if it's not martyrdom, it's just regular violence and go light him up. And I, I had the sneaking suspicion. Here was my sneaking suspicion. That this is a particularly Western dichotomy that's made because there's no such dichotomy in the New Testament. Um, we're called to lay down our lives. We're called to um, not resist the evildoer. We're called to turn the other cheek. We are warned that those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Uh, and these are, uh, I, I believe that nothing, none of these have to do with martyrdom. None in, in any of these, um, we're not, none of these passages that he just mentioned are in the context of martyrdom. I'm I'm pretty sure about that. Um, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Has nothing to do with defending yourself or defending other people. Has nothing to do by, uh, with that. Um, you know, turning the other cheek has nothing to do with martyrdom. So uh, I, I'm I'm questioning why he's using these passages when they have nothing to do with martyrdom. Um, we are counseled in the New Testament over and over again that when people come to kill you, you can flee. You know, Jesus said, you're, flee to one, you're persecuting one city, flee to another. We saw the example of the Apostle Paul. You get let down by the basket. Um, we are never once counseled in the New Testament ever to kill the people that are trying to martyr us. And, and yet Christ tells us to buy a sword. What the heck is that supposed to be for? Like, you know, just, just to intimidate people? Hey, don't mess with me. I have a sword. We're not, we're not once counseled in the New Testament to defend ourselves. And yet here's Jesus Christ saying, sell your cloak. And buy a sword. And, and you're going to see this theme again from a man here, Andrew. Uh, he, he, he's constantly quoting from the New Testament. In our exchange on Facebook, he kept saying, I want a New Testament verse. I want a New Testament verse. I want a New Testament verse. You can't quote anything from the New Testament about what, what uh, I'm talking about. And he's, a, he's, a, he's I, I kept quoting Old Testament stuff because, you know, that's the best way to love your neighbor according to Galatians 5. We're talking about loving our neighbor here. And, um, you know, if you, you can't ignore the Old Testament and try and love your neighbor, and this is, this is the problem that my man has here, he, he doesn't know how to love his neighbor because he's ignoring the Old Testament completely. And in our exchange, he, he, he would not recognize the uh, examples I gave him the Old Testament because he's a New Testament Christian. He doesn't want to talk about the Old Testament because to him it's irrelevant. And that's why he's having so much trouble trying to love his neighbor because the Bible says, the Bible does not say, the New Testament is the best way to love your neighbor. You can sum up. You can't sum up the New Testament with "love your neighbor as yourself." It's impossible. You can, however, sum up the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, with "love your neighbor as yourself." And when you throw out the Law and the Prophets, then you don't know how to love your neighbor. Hence, we have this video. Never. <clears throat> but here is my sneaking suspicion about this dichotomy between the armed robber and the uh, the guy who wants to murder you. What is more likely to happen to you in the United States of America? Is it more or less likely that you would run into an armed robber or somebody that would come and persecute you for your faith? Now, here's a sad fact. Most of us, myself included, for the majority of our Christian lives, don't live lives worthy of martyrdom or persecution in the first place. We're not doing anything mostly in the main to stir up the hornousness of persecution to the point where they would want to kill us for our faith anyway. I'm in completely 100% agreement with this this point. I think he's spot on. This is such an important observation 
made by him here that we really don't live our lives in such a way that people uh, would want to kill us. Uh, you talk to the abolitionists out there. Um, they, they certainly, when they're out protesting, they are certainly living their lives in such a way because I've seen people, they want to kill them. They absolutely want to kill them. They you can see it in their eyes and, and they, they make death threats. The abolitionists, by trying to love their neighbor, are living. Uh, I'm not saying they're the only ones, but I'm just using it as, as exhibit A. They are living in a way that people want to kill them. So there are people out there, and Andrew's not saying there's nobody out there, but I agree with him 100% that most Christians, people who claim to be Christians in this nation, do not live their lives in such a way that they uh, would be persecuted when the persecution comes. In, in fact, I, I think that most of the people who claim to be Christian in this nation will help the persecutors or will instigate the persecution themselves. So as far as actual lethal encounters where somebody's going to die, it's most likely going to be for you as an American an armed robbery situation. In which case, it just so happens that in this system, you're able to kill the guy that would that would commit the armed robbery. Um, and if you... And, and also, too, it's not just this system, but in the Old Testament, the Bible allows for uh, self-defense uh, lethally in, in certain uh, circumstances uh, when it comes to armed robbery. If you were to be martyred, you would accept martyrdom perfectly fine. It's just that these people aren't coming to martyr you. They're coming to take your stuff. In that case, you can kill them. So you know what happened last week? In both cases, you can kill them. Uh, can, can we talk? Um, if someone comes into my house to kill me because I'm a Christian, guess what? I'm going to blow them away. If someone comes into my house to kill my uh, friends or my family, guess what? I'm going to blow them away. If someone comes into my house to rob me and I don't know why he's there, you know, and it's it, it's nighttime, I, don't, I can't see anything, guess what? I'm, I'm going to shoot first and ask questions later. God called her bluff because... 26 folks got martyred last week. The person who killed these brothers and sisters in Christ um, was an atheist who the people that knew him said used to mock religion. And so he purposely went to that church. Now, he had a domestic issue, sure, but it wasn't just the domestic issue because the people that he had the domestic issue with weren't even in the congregation. He went in there and murdered Christians because he was a militant atheist literally a militant atheist these people were martyred for the faith i commend him uh in his usage of the of the term literal there um a very very rare trait among many millennials these days now how did we respond to that martyrdom did we say hey it wasn't an armed robbery the guy wasn't coming to rob anything he just came in and killed us because he hated us because we were christians did we say, praise God, those folks got martyred. They got graduated to a very high status. Nope. All I've been seeing for the last week is about how we need to be armed. I saw one guy, uh, I guess somebody in his congregation had a gun rack in his pulpit so that if the pagan ever comes to his church, he can blow him away. Well, what, what happened to the whole, if you're martyred, uh, then you accept the death willingly, but if they're bank robberies or whatever, then you can kill them. All of a sudden, now the martyrdom actually happens. Now we're talking about security forces in church. I just saw a video, and the guy said, faith without works is dead. 
and the reference that he would, the application to James 2 wasn't about feeding the poor, which was the actual context of the passage. No. But it's certainly not limited to just feeding the poor. You know, uh, there are many uh, people out there who claim to be Christians and feed the poor, but that doesn't make them Christians. And I'm certainly not going to limit my judgment about how well they feed the poor to uh, faith without works is dead. No, it was about arming yourself and doing the good work of killing uh, somebody who is coming to martyr you and your wife and kids. Hey guys, I am not saying there are any simple answers to how to in, uh, deal with the situation that we all endured last week in one way, shape, or form, okay? Here's what I'm saying. When is it proper for us to be killed for our faith in the United States of America? Never. It's never proper to be killed for your faith in the United States. It's never proper. It's always a tragedy. It's always uh, an injustice. We should never, there is never a proper time to be killed for your faith. Never. You should never be killed for your faith in this, in this nation. There's no good time to be killed for your faith. None. There is a time when you must die for what you believe. Yes. Where you will die for what you believe. Yes, there is a time, but it's not a proper time. Because we go to these conferences we read about church history, we read the New Testament, and we see over and over and over again a primer on martyrdom. I had somebody tell me, uh, you have a martyr complex. I don't have a martyr complex. I want to live. I have plans. I have plans for my city. I have plans for my kid. I got a beautiful daughter. I want to see, I want to walk her down the aisle and marry her off to some godly man who is going to go over and take over the world with her. I've got tons of plans. I don't have a martyr complex, but here's the thing. The word martyr simply means witness. And it's crazy to me that we have forces in the world who understand this concept that sometimes when you want to seal the testimony of your faith, dying is one of the most compelling ways of doing so. They're called Islamic terrorists. Now, I got Muslim friends. The majority of Muslim people in the world are not Islamic terrorists. But there's a segment of Islamic terrorists who believe that being a shaheed, being a martyr, solidifies their testimony of faith in their God. And we know that they're wrong. We know that they're crazy. But don't you understand that the way the devil operates, he's never had an original idea in his life. So he has taken the, the Christian concept of sealing your testimony with your blood. They love their lives not, they love not their lives unto death. It says in Revelation about the martyrs who overcame the beast by the, the, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. How did they overcome the beast? By the blood of the lamb, by the death of Jesus and the word of their testimony. How did they seal the word of their testimony? They love their lives, uh, not unto death. I, 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 my question here, and, and obviously this guy is no slouch, you know, he's had a debate with this before. And I'm sure he has responses to what I'm saying. So I, I, I don't want to, you know, pretend like, oh, he doesn't have an answer for this one. But my question here would be, do, do I have to die um, by uh, to, to seal my testimony? Um, you know, would would Martin Luther have been more effective if he, if he died after he nailed the 95 theses to, to the to the door? Um, you know, William Tyndale, who, who was a martyr, was way more effective in life than he was in death. Um, you know, they, they killed him, but, but by the time they killed, he, they killed him, he, he 
we translated the uh, the Bible into, into, into English. You know, a lot of these martyrs, you know, it's a tragedy that they that they died, but they were many of them were way more effective in life than they were in death. And the highlight of that of their life was not that they were were martyred. The, the highlight was what they did while they were alive. Okay, they died, and the way that they overcame the beast was dying. But we we in America have made it so that we're not. Is that what it really says, that they, they overcame the beast because they died? It says the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Um, the other people who were also given, they were the only ones given the testimony. You know, is that, it says the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony it does not say that they're, de they're death. You're not supposed to ever die for Christianity. The guy comes into your house, you're supposed to engage that dude just like in your next door neighbor pagan. And now somebody has come into the church and killed 26 of us. And now we're talking about having guns in the pulpit. Like, are you serious? When are we supposed to die for the faith then? And this is a tragedy too, that now we're talking about guns in the pulpit. We we should have guns in the pulpit for the last, you know, we should have had it there for the last 200 years. Pastors should be looking out for the being the leader of their flock in more than just a spiritual capacity, in a physical capacity as well. This is a noble thing, you know. Oh, let me just let me look out for your spiritual welfare. But if someone comes in here with a gun, you know, I mean, we should be the pastor should be ready for any spiritual attack, and they should also be ready for any physical attack. Is that is that too much of a stretch to say to say that? You know, I mean, uh, is it not the same as the as, as the father? of a house, you know, sh should he not be ready for both physical and and spiritual attacks, me mental attacks too? Should he not be ready for all of these things? It's, it's a shame that now we're talking about having guns in church. Uh, it should not even be a question. Of course there should be guns in church. Do you remember, do you remember this verse, John 15? In, in, in John 15, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. When you bring a gun to church, you're telling everybody there that I'm willing to lay down my life for you because as soon as a shooter comes in here, you have to confront the shooter. You have to confront. You're not going to be able to snipe him from some sort of comfortable, safe space, okay? When Charles von Vake uh, shot back in, was that 1993, St. James uh, Massacre, if you haven't looked that up, look it up on Wikipedia. Uh, it was a five, four or five armed Terrorists stormed his church, and they had uh, uh, automatic rifles, uh, AK-47s. They had grenades, and they were prepared. He had a snub nose thirty-eight, which uh, the the range of which is probably about twenty feet accurately. He shot back a couple times, and they all ran out of there. And he even had the opportunity to witness to them in prison. Nobody died um, as far as when it came to Charles. Uh, he did not kill any of the terrorists, but I think it was um, it was a, it was a large number of people in the church died because of what their terrorists did because they they came in there and they they started throwing grenades around and they started shooting people. Charles sat down and and uh, shot back. This took tremendous courage. It, he in fact risked his life by doing this. You cannot confront somebody with a gun which Charles did, and not risk your life. It's impossible. Your life is at risk. It might be uh, a smaller risk than, than some sort of scenario, but as soon as you pull out that gun and aim it at somebody who also has a gun who's trying to kill you, you're putting your life at risk. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. How in the world am I doing that by just saying, kill me? 
How am I laying my life down for my friend? I'm not. I'm not. This is pietism. Trying to love the Lord without loving your neighbor. It's impossible. You can't do it. Stop trying to do it. Like we have like nuanced this thing to death to where really what's happening is people in the past are supposed to be martyred and people overseas are supposed to be martyred in, in North Korea. But in America, we don't get martyred. We See, that that's, that's the problem here. I, I think what he's doing here, I think is confusing what the people are respecting. They're not respecting the martyrdom necessarily. They're respecting the bravery. They're respecting the courage because these people put themselves out there to be martyred. When we look at this church, you know, me going to church tomorrow, I'm not expecting to be shot at. So I'm not really doing something that's brave. But these people that are going out there into overseas, into different countries, that's brave. And that's where the respect comes in. Uh, that's where the admiration and and the the tears come in because these people were brave. They love their lives uh, not unto death, right? But when I'm going to church, I'm not really putting myself out there to um, uh, to be shot at. On one hand, we respect uh, the people who get martyred out there being brave. We respect the bravery, and we don't necessarily focus on the injustice. But when people here in our own communities die, we don't we don't focus on the bravery because they frankly weren't brave. We focus on the injustice and we get angry. So that's what he's seeing here. When you see somebody go out there and get martyred and you see tears and people say, wow, that's amazing. They're not focusing on the injustice. They're focusing on the bravery. They're focusing on the courage. But when you see somebody here get, get killed, uh, martyred in the United States, most of the time, it's not because they were being brave. It's because they were just doing, you know, what every Christian does, most every Christian does on Sunday morning. You know, they go to church. And so you're not going to see a huge focus on the bravery. You're going to see a huge focus on the injustice. You kill people. Like I said, there are no easy answers. And one of my friends told me, he says, man, when you talk about this stuff, you, you, no... You act like you're like a super Christian. Like, look, I don't know if I had an AR in my arm, okay, or on my in in on my person, and some dude started blasting up in my church and the people that I love. I don't know what I would do. Like, my best, uh, the better version of myself would stand in the middle and 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 uh, pray and engage the guy in such a way as to not kill him. This is. This uh, I just pray that I hope I hope I don't go to church with somebody like this. I really do. Uh, I I hope I don't go on a mission trip with anybody like this. I hope I don't you know hang around too long with with somebody like this because my life is at risk. He he's willing to sacrifice other people's lives for for his uh you know his standing with the Lord for for pacifism. You know in, in split second situations where somebody comes in and starts blasting people and I have an AK forty seven. Uh, you know, the best version of me was going to stand in the gap and try and plead with them and pray for him. This is this is a, such a foolish pie in the sky scenario. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. Um, because you need to be, you need to be quick. You need to be a a acting uh, quickly. You need to, you need to come up with a decision before this happens. 
You know, I don't want to be around somebody for too long who hasn't thought about it through. And, well, oh, I don't know what I would do if someone came in blasting church and I had an AK-47. I don't know what I'd do. I'd be like, okay, you better decide right now. Or else I, I, I frankly don't want to go to church with you for very long because my life is at risk. You're, you're a danger to other people. Like, I want to engage an aggressive assailant the way that I would want my son engaged. Like, I wouldn't want my son to be killed no matter how horrible what he did was. Here's one thing I'll leave you with. End of the Spear, um, Nate Satan, all those guys, another group of people that we celebrate, make movies about, tell our kids about, missionary stories about. Uh, they were out there um, trying to witness to these Indians. Very, very famous uh, incident. And they got speared to death. Hence the term of the book and the movie End of the Spear, right? Did you know that these guys had guns? And did you know that as they were being speared, they took their guns and blasted them in the air, basically hoping that these guys would get scared off by the gunshots, but they would not turn the guns onto the people killing them? Like the last guy had a gun, saw all of his friends get martyred, and refused to kill them. And so they died. And then their wives, a couple weeks later, made the trek over there. Said, you killed our husbands. And the almost the entire tribe gets converted. You think if those guys would have turned those guns on those Aka Indians, that we would have converted the tribe? Or was it worth it that those brothers, three or four of them, laid down their lives for their enemies? Okay, uh, some... some, some... A uh, little backstory to this situation. He's talking about the five missionaries killed back in, I think it was 1956, in Ecuador by the Alka Indians. They call themselves the Weodani. Um He's talking about this situation, um, and he what happened was these five missionaries agreed amongst themselves and with their wives that they were not going to— and, and, and he asked me, uh, Andrew uh, asked me this question on Facebook the other day. He said, do you think what they did was wrong, which is a completely— legitimate question and and i said no i don't think what they did was wrong because they 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 went in there willing first off to sacrifice their lives but but also what was just as important was that their wives were okay with it i, I don't think it's right if if to to have this made up in your head that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna um you know tell anybody else this but when it comes to me dying I'm not going to defend myself, and I'm just going to I'm I'm going to let these people kill me for the for the cause of Christ, uh, because it's you know the two are one flesh, right? You know you're making a decision for two people that this is a decision that belongs to two people, and if you're married, I don't think it's okay to secretly make that decision and and just say to your you know leave your wife hanging or leave your spouse hanging, you know uh, if you're a woman doing something like this, I I don't think that's right. Uh, I don't think that's loving your neighbor. I don't think that's loving the Lord. So I think that's very important that these people, uh, these five missionaries, their wives knew that they were going to do this, that if it came to this, that this is what was going to go down. And, and the, 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 the claim here, he said, do you think that the uh, whole tribe would have been converted? Uh, yeah, maybe. You know, um, the, the Bible, does, again, there is no mandate saying that thou shalt not defend thyself um, when you're being attacked, uh, you know, and these people were not attacked. This is not, it's in the strictest sense of the word, these people were not martyrs um, because the Alcas had no idea who they were. They had no idea who Jesus was. They, they were completely clueless as to uh, God and his word. They were not killing these people because they were Christians.
This was a huge misunderstanding. What happened was one of the Indians, uh, two of the Indians, uh, the Alcas, went to talk with Nate and everybody else. And uh, these one, one of the, uh, I think the girl, was engaged to somebody else. So when they were walking back to the tribe, they came across a hunting party. And Minkayani was like, hey, um, what are you guys doing together? You shouldn't be together. And at that point, the two people, their their lives were at risk because if, they, if he said the uh, if he said the wrong word, uh, was I forget his name. If he said the wrong thing there, they would have killed him, and they might have killed the girl too. But what he said was, "Oh, it was those missionaries, the new guys. They, you know, they, you know, he made up some excuse and blamed them. So the hunting party went off and killed him. You know that this is not this is in the strictest sense not martyrdom. It's martyrdom on the side of the Christians, but it's not it's not martyrdom on the side of the Indians. They were not killing them because they were Christians." And and I bring up the point too that when it came to this scenario, um, he, he Andrew himself said that the wives went back and and gave them the gospel. All right, if if the the missionaries simply died, if the missionaries simply died and nobody went and counts and went to the, was a witness to those Indians, that is alive people. If alive if people who were living did not go and give them the gospel, then nothing would have happened. The, 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 the sacrifice that these men made was definitely used, yes. But the Lord could have just as easily used the death of those Indians uh, to bring uh, the, the tribe to conversion uh, as well. You, you, one could say, well, one, one is more powerful than the other. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I understand that. I'm not saying uh, I would go back in time and stop them. I, I, w- I absolutely would not. I believe what they did was very noble. I think what they did was very righteous. But we have, we have liberty in this area. The Bible does not say thou shalt and thou shalt not in this area one way or another. We have examples, but those are examples. Those are not mandates. Let's not confuse the examples with the mandates. The, that is, let's not confuse the examples with the commands. The Lord could have just as easily, um, if one of those Indians died, the Lord could have just as easily brought them to repentance, you know, just as easily. You, so 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 what is it? The, the martyrdom's only for missionaries, not for us. You're gonna nuance the thing down to to only people overseas, but no martyrdom should happen in the United States of America. Here's the thing, guys. I think God is calling our bluff. Jesus said, "Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me." People die on crosses. Okay, but that's not the context of if any man follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and and follow me. You got to count the cost of what you're doing. Yes, this might include death, but that's not the inevitable result of following Jesus. Not every Christian is going to die because he follows Jesus. So that's not what that's talking about. You 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 ought to not love your life in this world. You you ought to be a person. I'm I'm watching this thing, Band of Brothers, about World War II. And the guy says, um, the way to walk in this world without fear in World War II is to realize that you're already dead. I think this point that he brings up is really very, very, very good, actually. I, I think he brings up a wonderful point, uh, partly because I'm a huge Band of Brothers fan. This was Captain Spears to uh, Private Blythe uh, in the series. And he, he brings up a, a wonderful point here. And once you settle in your mind that you're already dead and go out and do war, we're in a spiritual war. And you're already dead in Jesus. 
Why are you trying to hold on to your life in this world? Um, because the Bible praises holding on to life. Uh, the Bible guarantees long life. You know, uh, let's talk about this real quickly. Um, you know, when, when you go and do a search on long life in the Bible, uh, the, the first command with a promise is that you will have long life. Uh, in uh, uh, the, the fifth commandment, right? Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long, right? This is a good thing. You have a long life. This is something that Christians have praised. We, we praise long life. It's the pagans who love short life, right? They're trying to euthanize people. They're trying to abort children, right? The Christians love long life. In Deuteronomy 6.2, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. So this is where we get this idea that long life is a good thing, and we hold on to that. It's a good thing. Deuteronomy 32.47, for it is no empty word for you, but your, your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Psalm 91.16, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This, this idea, and, and let me just say, too, that my grandfather, the brother of Nate Saint, um, my dad told me um, that grandpa had this principle that he he didn't want to die. You know, people kept, he was getting old, old, older in years. People could ask him, yeah, you ready to go? You ready to go? You know, I mean, you're getting old. And, and he said, no, I, the Lord has given me life. I want to live as long as I possibly can. This idea of having a long life and that we should try to have a long life is a very Christian concept. What are you giving to your, why is that so precious to you? Isn't the unbeliever who's trying to kill you more precious to you than your own life? Because that's the example of Nate Satan, those guys. You know, Jesus' life wasn't more precious to him than the people who were nailing him to the cross. So look, all I'm saying, all I want to do is inject a contrary opinion into this discussion so that we'll stop this madness um, without at least a second thought. And if you disagree with me, fine, but I want to leave you with one question. When will it be appropriate for you to be martyred for the faith? And I'm not saying... There is no appropriate time to be martyred for the faith. There is no appropriate time. We should never be martyred. No one should ever be martyred. There is no appropriate time to be martyred for the faith. The Lord might call you to martyrdom. That's true. I, I, I might die tomorrow because I'm a Christian. But I'm not just going to lay down my life and say, kill me because I'm a Christian. Nobody has done that. I don't know of anybody who has done that. I, I don't know of any examples where the person was just like, kill me because of what I believe. The only example we have is of Jesus Christ, whose intention was to sacrifice himself for us. But when I say to, uh, when I say to other people, kill me because of what I believe, I'm not sacrificing my life for anything. Saying that... All of us need to go around with a martyr complex, all right? Um, what I am saying is that Christ and the apostles and the early church and Christians throughout church history and Christians right now... Apparently, these, these are the criteria for that we should be looking at. But what about the Old Testament? You know, he, he's just skipping half the Bible, the majority of the Bible. Uh, and, and, and if you look in the New Testament, in Acts 7, when, when Stephen gives the Pharisees a history lesson... Acts 7, verse 30, Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness, talking about Moses of Mount Sinai. Um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Verse 23. When he was 40 years old, it came to his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. Here's Stephen about to be martyred, right? The first martyr, arguably, right? He's about to be martyred, right? And he praises Moses for defending the oppressed man and ultimately avenging him. How, how is this possible? This, uh, according to my man, here's a New Testament example of somebody, uh, somebody uh, praising somebody else for defending somebody who's being attacked and, and killing the the uh, the oppressor. You know, Andrew just asked the question: Is your life more precious than his life? You know, the, is is your will to live more precious than? Um, you know, the, the person who's attacking you. And according to Moses, the answer says, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the life of my brother is more important than the life of the person trying to kill him. So I, I'm going to defend my brother and kill the person who's trying to kill him. Peter, Peter And Stephen here praises him for it. How is this possible according to Andrew's worldview? I don't think it is. Are taking their place. And are you saying that folks in the United States of America are somehow exempt from that. All right. Well, light reading at 2.05 a.m. I love you guys. Uh, let's think about these things together because uh, I'm sure I got a, a bunch of blind spots somewhere. Uh, grace and peace. Yep. So that's his video. Uh, you can view it on YouTube. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if you can view it on YouTube or not. Um, I just saw it on Facebook because Connor posted it there, and actually a very long discussion uh, happened. And like I said before in one of my previous podcasts, I learned a lot um, because I was reading the discussions that were going on. Points were brought up, you know. Um, a lot of spiritual meat was was in is in that thread if you want to go read it. His name is Andrew March, and uh, he posted the video. But again, I my the point of this podcast is to show the connection between pietism, pacifism, and, and not loving your neighbor. The inevitable result of pietism is trying to love God without loving your neighbor, and I think that's what Andrew's trying to do here by by saying the things he said. I'm not limiting it. I'm not limiting it to his video here, but also on what he was saying on Facebook to me and to other people. Uh, he really was a New Testament Christian. I mean, uh, like kind of like sold out on that concept, you know, was not accepting any sort of Old Testament application, wanted New Testament um, examples, and, uh, you know, was was really arguing for this this idea that, you know, it should be the pagans defending other people, but not the Christians. And this is a, a prime example of how to try to love God without loving your neighbor, but that's impossible. Uh, I have to say this again, that when it comes down to uh, loving your neighbor, you don't sum up the New Testament with love your neighbor as yourself, but you do sum up the Old Testament with love your neighbor as yourself, and you cannot love the Lord without loving your neighbor. It's impossible. You must do both at the same time, and that involves laying down your life for a friend, and I mean, I, I, is that limited to laying down your life? I mean, does not does not also mean risking your life for a friend? How can you risk your life without defending somebody, without defending yourself, without defending your family and friends? When you limit yourself to the New Testament, you throw away your understanding of how to love your neighbor, 
And this is why Andrew posted this video because he doesn't know how to love his neighbor because he's throwing away the Old Testament. As soon as you do that, you don't know how to love your neighbor anymore. And when you watch this video, you can see somebody here trying to make sense of how trying to love his neighbor, um, uh, you know, or trying to love the Lord without complete, completely missing the point of trying to love your neighbor in the process. Thanks for listening, my friends. Be strong and courageous. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology, brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com and thinkandreform.org. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.